morning. I'm so glad you came out today. Um, I'm glad when you come out every Sunday, but uh, some of these uh, holiday weekends, it's, it's always exciting when people start coming and you go, okay, there'll be a couple of us here to be able to worship today and, and to dive into the word. Plus, you got to be here for a milestone. Um, we've had, we've had uh, teenagers involved with helping with worship ever since we've started, but I think this is the first Sunday when one of our teenagers was leading. leading. So Holly did a super job. I don't know where she is right now, but... She is, oh, she's out in the lobby. So you did great, Holly. Uh, she'll come back up to lead us in the, uh, in the communion set too. But how encouraging is that? Having teenagers leading us in worship, it's so great. Um, if you're new, we actually have a, a search going on right now for three staff areas of need. Youth ministry is one of them, and we've got a search for that, and community life and worship arts. And boy, thank you for all the prayers because it's going really, really well. We've got a great search team, and we've got some great candidates. We've already started interviewing, so it's, uh, it's very exciting. So keep the prayers coming. Um, we're moving right along. And I also want to say thanks, too, before we continue on, for those who've been shouldering some of the extra weight during this season of transition. So thanks to those who've stepped up in worship arts and all these areas. We appreciate it so, 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 so much. All right, well, let's turn our attention to today's teaching. We started a series last week about Daniel. We're digging into the book of Daniel, which is a... Daniel, that's right, Rick, Daniel. Um, today we're going to look at chapters 2 and 3, chapters 2 and 3. So I'd encourage you to take out your notes, let's dive right in. I'd encourage you to write this down, here's our focal point today, and that is that dreams and destinies go hand in hand. Dreams and destinies go hand in hand. And the word dream can refer to different types of dreams. There's the kind of dreams that you can have when you're asleep. There's also the kind of dreams, visions that you have when you're awake. And both of those dreams, those of those kinds of dreams, they can have a profound impact on our futures. Both of them can. Um, God has, there's certainly precedence for God speaking through dreams in the past. Isn't that true? There's precedence for that. And maybe some of you have had those experiences where God spoke to you in a dream. He's revealed something that's going to happen in the future. So that kind of dream, the sleeping kind of dream, that can have a profound impact on our destiny. It can either reveal it or help steer us in that direction. But also the kind of dreams that we have when we're awake, those can really be profound when it comes to our future as well. I mean, some of you are probably going to see some of the Olympics this year. And the Olympians don't just end up on the platform. They don't, they don't just wake up one morning and, oh, look what happened to me. It started with a dream, right? It started with a dream, sometimes with their parents, sometimes with themselves, sometimes with a combination of both. But a dream that they had of a vision of one day, if I committed myself to this training, if I got the right coaching, one day, maybe I could be an Olympian. So these dreams can affect us and then can help set us on a course for our future. And some people dream of making that traveling team or that varsity team. Some people dream of getting a lead role in a play or making first chair in band. Some people dream of getting married. Some people dream of getting revenge. Some people have a dream of a dream job or a dream home, which are all part of that great American dream. Well, the right dream can steer us towards a great future. Having the wrong dream can take you in a direction that, that you don't want to go. It can, it can leave you in a place that's got a future filled with regret and pain and all kinds of things. Well, there's a whole lot of people um, along those lines that, that dream, at, dream of things like the dream job, dream house, dream team. And a lot of times they'll find out what that they thought was this dream that they really wanted. They lost a lot of things along the way that mattered more. Well, it shouldn't surprise any of you that as a Christian church, we will quote Jesus quite often in here. I want you to look at a quote from Jesus, if you would. If you have your Bibles, we're going to go to 
Daniel 2 here in just a second. But if you could start in Matthew chapter 7, here's something that Jesus said. This is a quote from Jesus of Nazareth himself, something that he said, uh, Matthew chapter 7, verses 12 through 14. It's a passage that will be familiar to many of you. But I, I think this speaks a lot to what we've been saying here about dreams and destinies and having these different paths before us. All right, here's what he says. Uh, J- Matthew chapter 7, make sure I got the right spot. Matthew chapter 7, verses 14, or tw- 12 through 14. Uh, there we go. Okay, so he says this. So, whatever you wish that others would do to you, do also for them. For this is the law and the prophets. And then he says, enter by the narrow gate. For the gate is wide, and the way is easy that leads to destruction. And those who enter it are many. For the gate is narrow, and the way is hard that leads to life, and those who find it are few. Now, if we could leave this on the screen for just a second, I, I want to point, point something out here. Um, the first is just the big picture thing, that there are some dreams that will lead towards life. And we all know that to be true. There's some dreams that can take you to a great place. There's other dreams that can lead to disaster. And it's usually pretty easy to see when others are on a path that's taking them the wrong way, Right? Others, it's usually pretty easy to see that. It's easy when you see someone else a lot of times to look at their life and go, that person, that relationship they're in, it is unhealthy. And they should get out of that relationship. Or you look at someone else and they're going, they're not spending enough time with their family or they're working too hard or they're hanging out with the wrong crowd or they're pursuing the wrong goals. Most of us, we look at someone else and we can point to them and go, man, they are on a path. They went through the gate that's the wrong one. It's a lot harder with ourselves to see that sometimes, isn't it? And I used to wonder, the reason I asked them to leave this up on the screen, when I, when I would read this in the past, sometimes I wonder, why did the Bible group things the way that they did? And this one just kind of seemed like a weird grouping. We've talked before about that grouping in text. What is it called, the, the word that for those little groups, those sections? Pericopes. You get the gold star today, Joyce. The pericopes. So why, did, why are these things grouped in this pericope? This first part, whatever you wish to do, the golden rule, whatever you wish they would do to you, do to them. Well, it, it hit me for the first time here. That's a great test to know if you're going through the narrow gate or the wide gate, isn't it? That, what a great test. Ask yourself, am I doing things to others that I wouldn't want them to do to me? Isn't that a great test of whether you're heading down one path or another? The grouping, again, it's, it's inspired word of God here. So that's one test you can ask yourself. If, am I heading down the right path or my dreams taking me the wrong way? Well, am I treating others the way I would want them to treat me? That's a, that's a great test, a great, great little test. Um, there's other warning signs as well. And that's kind of what we want to frame here today. Another good question, if you're, if you're trying to say, are my dreams, my visions for the future, are they taking me where I really want to go? Here's a question, and there's a place to write this in your notes. A great question to ask. Where are your dreams coming from? This would be a great question to reflect on. It's a beautiful day. Go for a walk and, and, and have a conversation with God. Where are my dreams coming from? Or maybe have that conversation with some family members. Where, where are our dreams coming from as a family? Where are our dreams coming from as individuals? Are they coming from just what I think is right, or are they coming from God? If God is real, and I believe he is, if God knows all things, which I believe he does, wouldn't we want to align our dreams with his dreams? That just seems to make sense, wouldn't it? instead of just following our own way, to align our dreams with his dreams. Well, one of the things that we noticed last week is that Jesus quoted Daniel. And the quote that Jesus quoted Daniel on involved dreams. involved a vision, a dream that Daniel had. And, with the time we got this morning, 
I, I want to make a, a, what I believe is a biblical case for aligning our dreams around God's dreams. That's what we're going to try to do today. There's a lot of directions you could go with chapters 2 and 3, but that's the one I want to I try to focus on. The biblical case for aligning our lives around God-given dreams. And since we have the kids with us, I thought to introduce this, we might have a little bit of fun. We're going to do something, um, uh, introduce today's teaching with what we call a spontaneous melodrama. Spontaneous melodrama. There will be no Avengers here today, because this one's going to be pretty much straight out of the scriptures. Um, we're going to take, this is, if you want to follow along in your Bible, we're really following along with Daniel chapter 2. So we created a little drama based on Daniel chapter 2. And it's called a spontaneous melodrama because this cast has never done this skit before. Um, except like two of them, I think, from the first skit or something like that. But we, we recruited some people on the way in, and we're going to be reading a script, and they're going to be acting it out. To, uh, part, of the, the part of King Nebuchadnezzar will be played by Emma today. Uh, Daniel will be played by Andra. Captain of the King's Guard, Brandon, is in for that. Um, we have Rackshack and Benny. It's Aaliyah, Nick, and Molly. And the Brants just got recruited to be the wise guys. So you guys are the wise guys. So whenever they hear their characters being referred to in the script, then that, that's what you guys act out. All right? We all got it? Okay. Are they ready in the back? We all costumed up. Joe, you just mess with me all the time. All right. Here we go. This is uh, the King's Dream. Take one. And there will only be one take. Today's melodrama begins in dramatic fashion as King Nebuchadnezzar makes a dramatic entrance, followed closely by the captain of the guard. I told you this is going to be dramatic. Come on. Exactly. Wow. These people are not trained professionals. Well, when the king reached the front of the room, he summoned all the wise guys in the kingdom, and they stood before the king. The king stood on his throne and said to the wise guys, I had a dream. I had a dream. And my spirit is troubled. And my spirit is to troubled. To know the dream. To know the dream. Then all the wise guys replied, O king, live forever. Show us your dream. And we'll show you the interpretation. The king made a promise. He said, if you get this right, if you get this right, you'll receive a great reward. You will receive a great reward. And all the wise guys said, we got this. We got this. The king raised the stakes and said, if you get this wrong, if you get this wrong, you will be dismembered. You will be dismembered. The captain of the guard drew his sword and gave the wise guys a menacing look. Then, realizing that the kids were in big church this week, the king quickly clarified his remarks by saying, and by dismembered, and by dismembered, I mean that you'll be removed from membership. I mean that you will be removed from membership in my kingdom. In my kingdom. And all the parents said, thank you. <laughs> Clarify. Oh, and I get to keep your houses and your lands and all your stuff. Oh, yeah, and I get to keep your houses and lands. Because I'm King Nebby. King Nebby. The wise guys cried out, we still got this. The king was skeptical that they could deliver on their promise. He made a skeptical face. He stroked his beard. And he came up with this test. He said, to be sure, to be sure that your interpretation, that your interpretation is, for real, is for real. First, first show, me show me what I dreamed about. What I dreamed about. And then interpret my dream. And then interpret my dream. All the wise guys sat down. They buried their heads in their hands. And they said, we so don't got this. 
there was no way that they could interpret the king's dream unless the king showed them the dream first. Just as the captain of the guard was about to dismember them all. And by dismember, we mean remove from membership. Daniel and his three friends appeared. And they made their way to the front of the room as their theme music played. When Daniel and his friends reached the front of the room, Daniel looked at the sound tech and said, Really, Joe? That's my really, theme music. Really, Joe? That's my theme music. To which the king replied, I thought that song was kind of catchy. I thought it was kind of catchy. The captain of the guard agreed and said, Me too. And he began to, with the king to sing a few bars. <laughs> Daniel looked a bit confused and said, Why does everybody keep singing about me in a lion's den? Why does everyone keep singing about me and a lion? Is there something I should know about? Is there something I should know about? To which the narrator replied, chapter 6 is not pretty. Things work out fine for you, but some of you wise guys, you might want to reconsider your political aspirations. Just saying. The wise guys look confused. The king spoke up and said, Daniel. Daniel. Can you show me my dream? Can you show me my dream? And And interpret interpret it. Daniel replied, I can't. I can't. But God can. But God can. My friends and I have been praying. My friends and I have been praying. Did your dream look a little something like this? Look a little something like this. Rackshack and Benny took the pieces of the statue and they assembled them in order. There we go. Nice. Professionals. Once again, I tell you, professionals. There we go. When all the pieces were in order, the king gasped. The captain of the guard gasped. The wise guys gasped. The whole congregation gasped. Because the image was exactly as the king had pictured it in his dream. The king said, I couldn't have drawn it better myself. I couldn't have drawn it better myself. Daniel went on to interpret the dream. Each part, Each part of the great image, of the great image that, you saw that you saw represents a kingdom. Represents a kingdom. One day a stone will strike the image. One day a stone will strike the image. Something like this. Something like this. Daniel threw a stone and the statue was destroyed. Wow. Rack, Shack, and Benny said, boom. (laughs) They did the mic drop thing. And then they dabbed. And the king said, truly your God. Truly your God. Is God of God. Is God of God. And Lord of kings. And Lord of kings. He is the revealer of mystery. He is the revealer of mystery. For this you will be greatly rewarded. For this you will be greatly With rewarded. With a lollipop. With a lollipop. And not just any lollipop. Not just any lollipop. A ring pop lollipop. lollipop. In assorted flavors. And as everyone participating in the skit came forward to receive their ring pops, the bumper music played and everybody cheered. Yay. Great job, guys. Very impressive. Very impressive. Good job. Good job. All right. Good work. Give, me, give them a hand one more time for that impressive display of acting. All right. And if you don't already have Daniel chapter 2 opened up, let's, uh, let's take a look at Daniel chapter 2. Oh. We're going to look at this God-given dream. This dream, Nebuchadnezzar's dream, it had the mighty king on edge. In that time, in that place, 
dreams are considered to be a message from the gods. That's what they consider dreams to be. So imagine you're the mighty king. You are the king of kings in this whole region. And imagine you've got this dream where there's a mighty statue, this mighty image, and it gets destroyed by a little rock. You might be thinking, that's for me. So the king was, was stressed out about this. He was on edge. And in the skit, we actually use language right from the Bible. The king said, my spirit is troubled to know the dream. Now, it's not for a king to show weakness, but he was able to say, I got to do something. This dream has me concerned. And so he says, my spirit is troubled to know the dream. He was troubled to the point where he wanted to know the truth. Oftentimes, people in power will surround themselves with people who will tell them what they want to hear. This king didn't want to hear what he wanted to hear. This dream had him so troubled that he said, I want the truth. So much so that he was willing to dismember his people, his wise people, because he really wanted to make sure they're not just telling him what he wanted to hear. He wanted to know the truth. The dream had him shook to that point. Well, we're going to press into the content and the meaning of this dream in week five. It's, it's fascinating. Um, this is a dream that was a recurring dream, not for the king, but it came to Daniel. Daniel in chapter, um, what is it, seven and eight, Daniel gets versions of this same dream. And we, when, when we get to week five, we're going to unpack this. This is a dream that was so vivid and so proved to be so historically accurate that there's people who believe that dream could not have taken place before these events unfolded that this must have been written after the fact. So we're going to press into the content of the dream itself in week five. What I want to focus on today is this content, that Daniel had a real relationship with the giver of dreams. And that made all the difference. Daniel had a real relationship with the giver of dreams. That made all the difference. If you want to, if you want to align your life with the kind of dreams that will bring you to the places that you really want to go, that's where it starts. That's where it starts, with a real relationship with the giver of dreams. Okay, let's take a look at Daniel. We'll have to be selective here because of time. Let's start with Daniel chapter 2, verses 27 through 28. Daniel chapter 2, verses 27 through 28. Before Daniel interprets the king's dream, before he gets into the interpretation, he gives glory to God and he says this. He says, no wise men, no enchanters, magicians, astrologers, none of your wise guys can show to the king the mystery that the king has asked. But... There's a God in heaven who reveals mysteries. And he's made known to King Nebuchadnezzar what will be in later days. Now, here's how the interpretation would work back then. Um, what they would do is they would have the, the person would tell them the dream. And then they'd go to their scrolls. They'd go to all of their, their resources. And they'd say, oh, this, you did this symbol. It means this. This symbol, it means this. This symbol means this. And if they didn't have it in their scrolls, they'd make something up, Right? so that they could keep their positions of power. So that's how it would work. Well, this whole plan is contingent on knowing what the dream is. King Nebuchadnezzar calls their bluff and says, no, if you're going to be legit, you tell me what I dreamt, and then interpret it. Well, they couldn't do that. Nobody could do that. Nobody could do that. It was impossible for them to interpret a dream that they had never heard of. Now, let's take a look at this. their response. If we go backwards a little bit, this is why they were really concerned about the whole dismembership thing is because starting with Dan 2, 10 through 11, they said this, they go, the Chaldeans answered the king. They said, there's not a man on earth who can meet the king's demands for no great and powerful king has ever asked such a thing of any magician or enchanter or Chaldean. 
The thing that the king asks is too difficult. No one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with flesh. So they say, you know, it's the gods that are the giver of the dreams. And it's not like they walk among us. So how are we supposed to know what your dream was? Well, on his own, Daniel could not interpret the king's dream any more than the wise guys could. And Daniel acknowledges that. He acknowledges. He goes, I'm, I'm nothing special. It's not like I have a superpower where I can interpret your dream. I can't see into your head. But what does he say? He says, God can. God can. He kind of uses their own understanding of God's giving dreams as a jumping off point. He goes, I know the God in heaven who can do this. I have a relationship with that God. I have a relationship with that God. Let's uh, move ahead then and, and look at what happens when the dream then gets interpreted. Excuse me. Here's how, oh wait, I'm jumping way ahead of myself here. Uh, nope, no, that's okay. So on his own. All right, so here's, here's what happens. So Daniel interprets the dream. God gives him the interpretation and King Nebuchadnezzar is blown away just blown away. And here's how chapter 2 ends. Here's how chapter 2 ends. Picking up with verse 46. Then King Nebuchadnezzar fell on his face and paid homage to Daniel and commanded that an offering and incense and ring pops be offered up to him. The king answered and said to Daniel, truly your God is God of gods. Your God is Lord of kings. Your God is the revealer of mysteries. For you have been able to reveal this mystery. Then the king gave Daniel high honors and a great many gifts. And he made him ruler over the whole province of Babylon and chief prefect over all the wise guys of Babylon. Daniel made a request to the king and he appointed Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego over the affairs of the province of Babylon. But Daniel remained at the king's court. The king had never experienced a God like this. Like Daniel's God. And chapter 2 ends... Like, like their skit did, where you've got the king is honoring Daniel's God. The king is honoring Daniel and promoting his friends. So that's how chapter 2 ends. Look at how chapter 3 begins. If you have your Bibles, open up here. Just This is so abrupt, especially when you see it in black and white. Chapter 2 ends. King is all your God, is the God. King is all Daniel. We're promoting you and your friends. The king is all this is. I've never seen anything like this. That's how chapter 2 ends. I am not making this up. This is the very next verse. This is how chapter 3 opens. King Nebuchadnezzar sets up an image of gold. What? And not any small one. The height was 60 cubits, and its breadth was 6 cubits. And he set it up on the plain of Dura in the province of Babylon. It's pretty stunning to see that in print because chapter two ends with the king declaring that Daniel's God is the God of gods, the Lord of kings. And then at the very beginning of chapter three, he goes out and commissions a gold statue that is 90 feet high. Now, it was interesting. I did a little research into here. Um, and again, I love the historical stuff. I love when when outside sources outside the Bible collaborate the Bible's message. And there were some sources that were just saying some interesting stuff about King Nebuchadnezzar in these statues. Um, in one of in his temples there in Babylon, he had some other large statues. One of them was 15 to 18 feet high. This is the small one. 15 to, eight feet teen, eight, 15 to 18 feet high, made of solid gold. When the Persian king Xerxes melted it down later after they had been conquered, 482 BC, there was 800 pounds of gold from that little statue. They also had a larger statue in one of these temples. 
and it had a couple pieces with it. Together, they were reported to have weighed 22 tons. That's a billion-dollar statue. Wow. One of my other sources, it was interesting, referenced another ancient Babylonian document that dates from the time of Nebuchadnezzar. And the document speaks of a huge monument with inscriptions. It sounds an awful lot like this monument we're talking about today. So the statue was real, but what happens is surreal. After declaring that Daniel's God is God of gods, after promoting Daniel and his friends, the king commands that everyone's got to worship this idol, this idol of gold. And if they don't, they're going to get thrown into the fiery furnace. Chapter 3, that's the fiery furnace chapter. And it's worse than that because it's not just the king. In chapter 2, Daniel said, spare all the wise guys. Spare them all. Don't, don't dismember. Don't remove them from membership, right? Well, those same guys, some of those same guys at least, are about to throw Daniel and his friends under the bus. Well, he doesn't mention Daniel, but to throw his friends under the, the bus to advance their own careers, their own dreams. This is a direct quote, Daniel chapter 3, verse 12. These men, said the wise guys, old king, referring to Rakshak and Abednego, they pay no attention to you. They don't serve your gods. They don't worship the golden image that you have set up. Well, their language is revealing a lot about them, isn't it? Instead of, wait, this is the God. This should be our God. They're saying your, you know, they're not, they're not serving your gods. Nebuchadnezzar must have went back to his own gods. It says a lot about where their dreams come from. If you want to do an interesting personal study, take a look at the language that's used. These, when all these great things are happening, when Daniel is, is demonstrating that his God is the God, look at their language. It's not our God. It's Daniel's God. It's your God. So they're seeing these things unfold, and yet they're a, unable to come to a place where they say, I want your God to be my God. I'm willing to step away from my idols. I'm willing to step away from all these other dreams and visions and come under your God. The language isn't there. The language isn't there. There's one spot further on where there might be a link, but for the most part, it's your God. The Babylonians are getting their own dreams from other sources. And their dreams of power and promotion and positioning and all those things literally led them exactly where Jesus said they would go, to destruction. Destruction of kingdoms. Destructions of people's lives. And that's sobering because I think about Babylonian culture and what it represents. And I think about the great American dream and there's a whole lot of parallels, aren't there? And it's so easy for us to get sucked in and we say, God, my whole life is yours except for this and except for this and except for this. And we fall into those same traps. As I was preparing this message, I was reminded of a song by an artist named Rich Mullins. I love Rich Mullins. When I was in high school, you love Rich Mullins too? Rick is a music guy. He knows a ton of music. Um, I was in high school when I made a conscious decision to follow Jesus. And this was one of those songs that helped. Because as, as I wanted to follow after my own dreams, as I wanted to follow the crowd and their dreams, um, it was so good to have songs like this that reminded me, as I laid down my dreams, I was trading up. This is from a song called The Maker of Noses. And Rich Mullins writes, he says, I believe there's a place where people live in perfect peace. There's food on every plate. The work is rewarded. The rest is sweet. I believe in a, a place where the color of your skin won't get you in or keep you out. Where justice reigns and truth finally wins. And there's hard-fought hard war against fear and doubt. And everyone I know wants to go there too. But when I ask them how to do it, they seem so confused. Do I turn to the left? Do I turn to the right? 
When I turn to the world, they give me this advice. And they say, boy, just follow your heart. But my heart just led me into my chest. They said, follow your nose, but the direction changed. Every time I went and turned my head. And they said, boy, just follow your dreams. But my dreams are only misty notions. But the father of hearts and the maker of noses, the giver of dreams, he's the one I've chosen and I'll follow him. Isn't that a good word? You know, you follow your heart, it leads you in your chest. The Bible talks about our flesh. You know, we follow the winds of culture. The direction just keeps changing, right? Well, the song continues and the vision casting does too. The song continues to talking about a time where there's going to be no poverty, no crime, a world where children will be safe in their homes, where there won't be violence on the streets or violence in the homes. It, this, this vision that he's painting here, it's, a, it's the kingdom of God, isn't it? Where God is king. When God is truly king, as, as he will be one day, these things will all be true. That's the vision that God has for us, to live like this. There is a God in heaven who desires to see his kingdom come, his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven. And there's going to be a day, we talk about this a lot because we need to talk about this a lot, there's going to be a day when he returns and makes all things right. That day is coming. And until that day, this is the vision that he asked us to pursue. It's a good vision where we do justice and we love mercy and we walk humbly and we pursue these very things, the kingdom of God things. You know, the, the dream that God has for us is to follow the footsteps of his son through the power and the guidance of the Holy Spirit. And I want to show you something else. I never noticed this before. How many of you guys know that Jesus is all over the Old Testament? It, you know, isn't it? And it was written before he was born in Bethlehem. Jesus is all over the Old Testament. I never noticed some of these spots in Daniel until I was rereading it in preparation for this. Let's look quickly. Daniel chapter 2, verse 11. We already read this verse. And many of you, I can kind of see the look in your eye like, oh, I know, I know someone who walked. But Daniel chapter 2, 11 said this. The thing that the king asks is too difficult. No one can show it to the king except the gods whose dwelling is not with the flesh. Where many of you did, like bulbs went off. Wait a minute. Let's put that verse up with John 1.14. Did Daniel's God ever come to dwell among us? Yes. The word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we've seen his glory, the glory of the only son from the father, full of grace and truth. Have the gods ever walked among us? The God, the God has that's Jesus of Nazareth. Here's another example that jumped out at me. This is from Daniel chapter 3, verse 29. They said this, after, after all the things come to pass, this is after the end of chapter 3, when, when Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego, they're thrown into a fiery furnace for refusing to bow to this idol, this false idol. They won't bow. They're thrown into this fiery furnace. And, and King Nebuchadnezzar looks in there and is like, how many did we throw in there? They said three. Well, it looks like there's a fourth. It looks like he's a son of the gods. His word's not mine. And then Nebuchadnezzar testifies to this when they come out unharmed. He says this, there is no other God who's able to rescue in this way. Well, what does it say in Acts 4.12? Salvation is found in no one else. There are some people that say that fourth person was an angel. There's others that say this was Jesus walking among them in the trial. There is salvation found in no one else. There is no other name 
under heaven, given among men by which they must be saved. And the contrast is amazing. Again, I encourage you, if you haven't already, go back and read chapter 2, chapter 3. In chapter 3, there's all kinds of this just loaded stuff, including this, where the king selects mighty men to throw Daniel. There's a point made in the scripture. He selects mighty men to throw Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego into the fire. What happened to the mighty men? They got burned up. The mighty men got burned up. Put all that together. The mighty men couldn't rescue themselves. God was able to rescue Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. The king was trying to follow his own dreams, his false gods, his false notions. His dream sentenced his mighty men to their death. And yet God was mighty to save. It's crazy. The king's dream, the wise guy's dream of a world where they could move up the ladder at someone else's expense by doing to Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego something they wouldn't want done to them. They had that vision that that was going to be helpful to them. Man, that vision had some pretty bad karma associated with it. And then there's Jesus who overcame sin and death itself by taking up the cross. There is salvation in no one else. There is no other name given by which men, two men, by which we must be saved. Well, what does God's salvation look like? The Bible doesn't pull punches, and I wish you had more time. You know, at different times. In fact, when we go to Lent, we're going to go through Hebrews, this Lent, God willing. And there's Hebrews 11, Hebrews 12, many are familiar with it. Does God always shut the mouths of lions? No. Does God always protect us in the flames? No. And the Bible does not pull punches. The point of the story is not do everything right, and God will make sure nothing earthly bad happens to you. That's not the point of the story. But there is a Jesus who promises, I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. I'll be there in the flames. I'll be there in the lion's den. Salvation is found in no one else. The more we align with those dreams, the more we align with those visions that God gives us, the more we learn to follow the example of Jesus, take up our cross and follow him, the more we see the kingdom of God come on earth. You know, one of the stories you've been telling a lot lately is it's really a dream story. You know, Bob's dream down in Juarez and Soli comes up to him and says, hey, we could really use a van. And he had this dream that a bunch of Minnesotans could get a van, even though we don't have a van, we could get a van for them, send it down. And that dream became a reality. We love telling that story, but the reason I'm telling it today is because here's something we, we haven't shown yet. Um, we just got a little video from the home. So I'm going to ask the worship band to come up and get in place because we're almost to the, to the, to the time of, of communion here. But as they're getting in place, we're going to show a, a short little video. It's less than a minute. But the reason I want to show this today is because this is the kind of thing that can happen with a God-given dream. It, when we don't put ourselves at the center of the dream and say, I want to make it all about myself, but when we just say, God, what would you have us to do? God can do some really cool things. He can break into this world and make a difference. He can do justice, love, mercy, and walk humbly. So we ready to go? Let's show that, that little clip. And pay close, close attention to what they say at the very end.
kids said? Thank you, Emmanuel. They didn't say Emmanuel Covenant Church. And that was nice of them to put the Emmanuel Covenant Church thing at the end. But I love what the kids said, because that's a lot more accurate, isn't it? Thanks, Emmanuel. Because who gave that dream? Who, who gave the resources? They're not, it wasn't our money. It wasn't our time. It's not our van, right? It's God's. And, and isn't that ultimately where life is found? That, that way that leads to life, wouldn't it be found, if God is real, wouldn't life be found aligning our dreams with his dreams? Because he can do all things. So we want to provide that invitation here today where whether you've done this before or if this is the first time, to give you an opportunity to, to align your life with the giver of dreams. And I, we've got a talk point you can fill in the last blank here. Are, are you seeking a real relationship with the giver of dreams? the one who wants to break into this world? Are you seeking his dreams for your family? Are you seeking his dreams for your life? We want to give you an opportunity to ask that question to him and then to respond with a sacrament that we call Holy Communion. And in this sacrament, we celebrate this. The Lord Jesus, on the night he was betrayed, he took bread. And when he had given thanks, he broke it. He said, this is my body, which is for you. Do this in remembrance of me. And in the same way, he took the cup after supper, saying, this cup is a new covenant in my blood. Do this as often as you drink it in remembrance of me. For as often as you eat of this bread and drink of this cup, you proclaim the Lord's death until he comes. And that's what we commemorate today. That he took his cross on our behalf. So if you can sincerely pray the prayers that we're about to pray, we want to invite you to join us in this, this sacrament. Um, at the Lord's table. Uh, the communion service, when I get done praying, if you could get it into place, and then once they're in place, we won't have ushers telling you to come forward. We'd encourage you just as the Lord leads to come. And to make that personal decision, to be able to say, either for the first time or for the first time again, today, God, I lay down all of my dreams, and I want yours. Reveal them. He may do that right now. He may do it later today. Um, we have people that would love to pray with you after the service. They'll pray with you. It might be a discussion. He reveals it there. But today, to make that conscious decision, God, I yield all other dreams. That might be another question you ask him. Is there a dream that you would have me to yield? Sometimes the dreams we have are already the ones that he gives us. Sometimes there's ones that he would have us to lay down. So let's take some time and, and, and do that. So here's some prayers to, to get our thoughts um, aligned in the right direction. And then we'll just ask that you continue it from there, you and the Holy Spirit. So Let's pray these together. God, we pray that your spirit would descend upon us and reveal to us what are the dreams that you'd have us to lay down? What were the dreams you'd have us to pick up? Lord, help our, our hearts to be aligned with your heart today. And Lord, as one more act together here before we enter into these songs and the sacrament, we, we pray a prayer that you taught your disciples to pray. Our Father, who art in heaven, hallowed be thy name. Thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth as it is in heaven. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. And lead us not into temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever and ever. Amen.